we've involved our kids in what we enjoy doing. We don't necessarily cater our lives to them. We actually get them engaged and involved in what we like. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason, J. Lou Lewis. And today, we're getting to dive into a topic about family and real estate. I think it's a very important topic because a lot of people are growing their real estate around the time they are growing their family. Uh, and it's uh, it's a lot of times a, it's a trade-off. You got to do one or the other. And Mr. Dexheimer today is going to dive into how he was able to do both in a healthy and successful manner. So today we have Todd Dexheimer, CEO of Venture D Properties. He started investing in real estate in 2008. Since then, he has purchased and renovated over 900 units, including 100 flips. He has a current portfolio of a of 45 million in multifamily and senior housing assets. And his focus today is on syndicating value-add multifamily and emerging markets, as well as coaching to inspire other investors to be able to do the same. Todd, welcome on the show. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. You're uh, up north. It's uh, I like to kind of normally do these where they're evergreen and we're not talking, you know, weather or timing or events and stuff, but, um, it's cold up there right now. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, we, every year we get a, a week or two and sometimes more <laughs> of like negative 20, negative 30, you know, 60 below wind chill, that type of stuff. So, Hey, it's, it's Minnesota. That's just what you get. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah, right now there are a lot of different places that are having a little cold snap. So it's interesting <laughs> yep. to see how different people are handling it. So I've seen some good memes uh, from from my fellow friends up north, uh, kind of making fun <laughs> of some of the people down south, the, the different like, you know, Texas doing this while Minnesotans are, you know, and they'll have like a funny photo or something. They're out like uh, ice fishing in their, yeah. in their trunks, swim trunks or something like that. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's practically true though. I yeah. Yeah. So the, the Texans are down there in a the parka and it's just a light layer of snow, you know, on the ground or something. So it was um, negative nine below with about a, oh, I think it was 18 degree, uh, negative 18 degree wind chill. And I went for a five mile run. So that's just, there you go. Hey. and I, yeah. and I didn't have a jacket on either. Just, yeah. Well, you're used to it. I think human, I think this goes into real estate is you adapt. And I think you're, you're talking about emerging markets. You're talking about different asset classes and fix and flips and this and that, and you, you emerge. And, you know, normally the question is, is, you know, how did you get into real estate? But I think today we're, we're going to maybe dive in a little bit of that, but it's also when you got started was around the, it was around the time that you started your family. So talking yep. about kind of merging and growing and adapting, you had to adapt to both a growing family and trying to grow a, a portfolio all at the same time. So um, let's start off with just how did that kind of come about? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I wanted to, you know, you got, I got in the real estate game and at the same, pretty much the same time, fairly shortly after we started our family. And it was, it was, was that, was that timing 
planned or was it just the kind of happenstance of yeah just just happened i mean we planned on having a kid but you know it just like just happened to be the two were starting together you know i was starting this new business basically and starting a new family and it was uh it was interesting times and we we started so when we first started our family we were actually living in a house that was foreclosure and that we were doing a major renovation and so since my kids, I've got two kids now, since my kids have been born, that's all they've known is living in these houses that we buy that are foreclosures and we renovate them while we're living in them. And and so we started the very first house my daughter was born in. That was the scenario. And then the second house that my son was born in, <laughs> that was exactly the same thing. We just bought that and then he was born and we were ripping down walls and, and doing all that kind of stuff. And uh, we've got videos of you know my two-year-old uh, with pry bars you know, trying to peel tile off the floor and taking hammers to stuff. And it, it's, uh, it's good times. But you know, it's been a journey and it's been fun. Uh, we've all, we've, my wife and I joke, like we should have filmed all this and like put it on one of these reality TV shows. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's it's well, maybe, maybe the, the child services seeing a two-year-old in a That's pry true. bar, you know, might, <laughs> might have, you, you, there's, there's a lot of by, you know, kind of bipolar, uh, views on the oh, yeah. world right now. <laughs> so you're going to get the the good old Ives of Kansas farm kid. You get the the Kansas farm dad. He's like, yeah, way to go, Todd. And then you get maybe some other person who's calling child services on you. Yep, so yep, we'd get that knock at the door. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, so what about this pry bar and two-year-old? Right. right. We see that child, rusty child, nail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rusty nail and child labor laws and you <laughs> right. name it. So, but as a farm uh, yeah. kid, I mean, that's it's, uh, I grew up, I mean, you, you started feeding cattle and breaking ice and, you know, this time of year of frozen water, you were, as long as you could stand over the ice, you know, trough to kind of like crush it with the hammer there, or, uh, good to go. you were good to go. So, yeah. um, that was kind of the time you were ready to get, get out there. It was just the height restriction, you know? So, so yeah. did you do the, on these house hacks. I don't know if you call them the kind of house hacks or if, were they the two-year owner rock to be able to take advantage of the, the tax benefit or were you, was, or do you, did you keep those as rentals or something like that? No, I, I, we, we would buy, fix them up and, uh, and get out. So every time it got to a point where my wife really liked the house, it was time to go. Yeah. Cause that meant some <laughs> other wife would show up exactly. and fall in love with it as well. I, I tell people that exactly. I think that's a, it's a good <laughs> indicator when, when you start to fall for it, that's the time to go. Cause others will as well. We, we, the, the house we're currently living in, the last thing we have to do is remodel the master bathroom. And we are just meeting with the interior designer to get ideas on, on that whole setup. And she says, Oh, is this a house you guys are going to stay in? And my wife looks at her and says, no, when this is done, he's going to be looking for another house. I can promise you that. <laughs> and she's, she's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's good. Did you, did you have any, um, discussions of that before you guys got married? I don't know if you're in the real estate game, you know, when you, when you got married or not, but, uh, you know, I was always in the construction kind of world. Okay. So I don't know, I don't remember having any of those exact conversations, but I think my wife knew. She just knew, For like, sure. I, you know, and then she went on, she's a great woman. She went along with it pretty quickly. Um, she saw the value in it. You know, it's, 
it's nice when what we've been able to do is, you know, quite frankly, every time we've bought a new house, our mortgage payment has went down. Uh, the, the amount that we owe has gone down. So, you know, now we own a nice house and have a very small mortgage and that just continues to happen. And, and likely the next house we buy, we probably have no mortgage um, on it. And it's just because of being a little house hack, like you said, house hack, take, take the profits, go to the next house, take the profits, go to the next house. So um, it's been nice. I'm not anti-debt, but I love having low to no debt on my own personal residence. That's, that's a personal, you know, I'm, I'm not against people having debt on residence, but that's just personally what I like. Yeah. And that's a, I would say that's one of the, probably the top questions um, people that are getting into the real estate game kind of ask is what should I do with my personal residence? Should I pay it down and should I, or should I fully leverage it to its max potential? Yeah. And I think that that can go on weeks of podcasts uh, just in that topic. And I think um, there's people out there that can show value in both sides. So I think that's right. a personal preference. So yeah, I honestly, that's, that's what it is. It's a personal preference. I get both sides of it. I understand both sides of it. Uh, and for me, it resonates with me having a low or no mortgage payment uh, and then worrying about leveraging my my actual investments. For sure. And it's, you know, we're trying to tie this into just the raising the family and raising a portfolio. Um, and you have to kind of decide, hey, I'm raising a family. There's the financial obligations of a family yeah. and there's a risk for if, you know, something happens or if there's some health complications. I have a couple clients now that have had some some children with some some complication. And it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, it can derail you financially. So yeah. if you're in a position where you're fully leveraged on your home or not, then that can, that can make some big swings, um, one way or another. So, um, but yeah, so you, you've, you're starting to raise the family, teach the, the, the young daughter, how to swing a crowbar and a hammer. And then, and then kind of what, what grew from there? Was it, you were also growing the portfolio. It sounds like you have about 45 million or so, um, plus, the uh, 150 and flips that you've done. Is that, was that what you were doing kind of day to day? Yeah. I mean, I still, I started out as a high school, uh, shop teacher, you know, when I first started, I was teaching, teaching, you know, wood tech and metals and that type of stuff. And, and, uh, doing the portfolio on the side, trying to get the real estate done on the side. And honestly, when I first started this business, um, I was not probably spending enough time with my, with my daughter that was born. Uh, I was working really hard and spending too much time on that. It did allow me to get to where I'm today. So I don't want to completely bash what I did, but at the same time, um, I've, you know, as I have grown as a, you know, father and everything, I've realized that, that you know, it's, you've got to make sure you're taking care of the kids. You got to make sure you're pit, truly spending time with them. I think that's the hardest thing for any, uh, any, you know, mother, father, uh, that's building a business is that, we do we are we truly spending time with them, right? Or, or are we just showing up? Are we there and we're you know sidetracked? We're on our phone, we're looking at our emails, we're responding to text messages, we're going back into the office uh, while we're supposed to be spending time with our kids, or are we actually truly engaged, truly focused, tr not being distracted, like shut it off and, and go? And, and I struggle with that. Ever, I think any entrepreneur is probably going to struggle with that. I struggle with that myself, uh, but it's just something you know I try to work on all the time and make sure the phone gets put away. Like 
it's, do you have a specific spot for your phone in your house that when it's family time, that phone stays there? It doesn't stay in your pocket. It doesn't float around to, uh, you know, it's not sitting on the countertop or on the dinner table or wherever it's actually in its place and it stays there. You know, we used to have these phones with cords. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Most people don't remember yeah. those, but we used to have these phones with cords and they had to go back on the hook. Right. Otherwise they went. Burp, 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 burp. Yeah. That pretend like that's happening again with your phone, put it back on the hook. Uh, I think that's, that's so important. And I, and I'm speaking of like, this, this is a problem for me. So like, I'm, I'm speaking out of like, not saying like, you guys are doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. Like I, I think, I think almost everyone it's yeah. a phone is cause it's the phone is money. If you, if you listen to yeah. Gary Vanderchuk or Gary V, you know, any of those guys, they, they talk about, this is a gold mine, you know, like this phone in your hand is today's gold rush. So you're, you're wanting to literally, you have it, that gold rush in your hand, you know, it used to be, you would have to go work and you'd come back, but now it can literally be 24 seven. So it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to, to put that down. Yeah. And it's temp, it's tempting to, you hear that the phone is the gold rush and it's tempting to go, okay, well, I better have it with me then at all times because that's important. Right. But what's really important in your life. And I think you got to think about that. We can make money and spend valuable time with our, with our family. I think you can do both. So how do we, how do we then do both? And that's what, that's what you got to figure out for me. I have to put the phone down. Otherwise I'm not, I'm not doing both if I, if I don't have the phone put down. So. Yeah. They, one of the real estate buddies says that he was kind of tracking for a little bit, just looking back and seeing when he was with his family, he was, cause by the time he goes to work and then it's, and they put his, you know, young son down, um, he was spending about 10 minutes of the hour that by the time he got home, but when he could went to bed, there was an hour and he was looking back. He guessed that he was probably over a time frame when he wasn't as diligent about it. 10 minutes of true quality yeah. time. Cause the kids, you know, they're all over the place and, and it's tough sometimes for them to spend quality time cause they're doing their thing. So he was like, I have to be diligent about that, that time because it's yeah. very rare. So what are One some of- other maybe tips? Um, you said you put the phone in a specific place, any other things that like to, to get to a 150 flips, 45 million, and yet, you know, have two kids. What are maybe some other things that you've or even you're working on, maybe you're, you're that you haven't done yet, but you see have helped others. You know, so a couple of things that, that we've, I think, done that has worked really well for us is we've involved our kids in what we enjoy doing. We don't necessarily cater our lives to them. We actually get them engaged and involved in what we like. And some people might, oh, that's kind of selfish. Well, guess what? Our kids love to go camping. Our kids love to go on hikes. And we take, we, I mean, when my son was three years old, he was hiking six miles in the, in the woods, you know, like we love doing that stuff. We, we love to uh, go downhill skiing together, rock climb together, um, do just, you know, my kids listen to the same music as I listen to. They listen to the same radio stations that my wife and I listened to, we, we never turned on Barney or, you know, stuff like that. We've always said, let's get our kids interested in what we're interested in. And it works really well. Cause then we enjoy spending time with them and they enjoyed spending time with us. We've got very similar interests with each other. I think so that that's 
in my opinion, been really helpful uh, to have those same interests. We really love going and doing the same things. Um, Do you get them involved in the, in the real estate? I mean, you're out looking at a fix and flip. Are you, cause I think that's sometimes where, where people have a little hesitation is, is taking the kids too young to their, their office, which is their real estate project, whether, whatever that might be, you know, if that's an agent or if they're a, a fix and flipper is getting in there too young and kind of burning them out and forcing them to, to try to love real estate. I don't believe there's a too young. Okay. So we took our son on his first flight when he was a month old. Like we went camping in the woods in a tent with our, both our kids when they were less than a month old. Like we did things immediately. We went on road trips immediately. Like we never felt like it was too young. I think the same thing with real estate. Now, there's also a balance, right? We don't want to just make it their life because it's not their life. They're kids still. Like they still want to play. They still want to do things. But to bring them into your um, properties and uh, have them be a part of it and give them something that's fun for them to do, you know, like have they have that pry bar in their hand and they're, you know, knocking some stuff down. They have a paintbrush in their hand and they're painting a wall. Um, you know, or, or even painting their name in the wall, as long as it's the same color, hey, it, that's good, right? For Let sure. it stay there, take a picture with them there. They're getting excited about it. But yeah, if you're making it boring or forcing them to be there all the time, they'd rather be with their friends or, you know, you, they can't play sports because you know, then then we've probably gone too far. But I think it's important for them to be engaged and involved in it and see what you're doing. And it helps them become entrepreneurs. You know, my my daughters, I remember not, this was maybe a couple of years ago. Now we were, I don't remember exactly what we were sending out. Oh, we were sending Christmas cards out to all of our investors. And uh, so my daughter and her friends were hanging out and I gave them the big, huge stack of envelopes and said, hey, do you guys want to put stickers on these envelopes? And, and they did. They loved it. They had fun yeah. doing it and they made it a competition. And so doing little things like that uh, with them. I, I think it's super valuable and helps Great. them with their work ethic too. Uh, so many kids just don't have a work ethic um, and they, or they don't know how to do like anything. Look, if you can get your kids involved, it's not like they have to be experts in everything, but get them involved and have them understand things. Yeah. And in real estate, they don't teach classes on mortgage, on buying your first house or selling or how to fix a repair. Let's, you know, we're talking this time, it's, there's a lot of frozen pipes across the U S right now, you know, so, um, what to do in a frozen pipe or what a pipe even is. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, so just getting involved a little bit, um, I think is just the common sense of real life, uh, is, is a good thing. So what we my wife uh, read this book and, and we have uh, I'm trying to see if I can find it. But anyways, it's by Dave Ramsey's daughter. And I'm not a like Dave Ramsey, you know, you either love him or don't. And I don't care. I don't care if you do or don't. This is a good book if you want to give to read it. And you don't, it's not reading to your kids. It's reading for yourself. I can't remember the name of the book, but anyways, it's Dave Ramsey's daughter that wrote the book. And it's about, you know, basically teaching your kids financial literacy, uh, literacy. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a lot of good stuff in there. If people want to 
look at that. I'll try to remember. Maybe we, you can throw it. Yeah, we can throw it in the show notes. I'll I made a note here and I'll I'll look it up. So, so yeah. they you know it, it but it teaches your kid you know kids you know, giving them giving them chores to do. You know, obviously they have their own chores like cleaning their room and picking up their clothes and stuff like that, but also giving them some other jobs. You know, so we have this little jar that the kids will pick a job out every day, and you know when they do that five days a week, we pay them. We paid them a dollar per job and you're not getting a ton of money, but they're getting five bucks a week. And then we take that money and they put $2, they get to put $2 in an envelope that says spend. They get to put $2 into a save and then get to put a dollar into a give, you know? And so they take, and then we actually have them give. And, and right now, um, you know, we've got, we've got some money that we're wanting to, to give away and we're getting our kids involved in that process. Like they're choosing the charity that we're giving. And so we're giving to our church and then they're going to be choosing the other one. And, and they're going to actually, we're going to have them actually enter the amount into the church account and see what that looks like. That way they can see us giving and be involved in that. And we try to get them involved when we go and volunteer for things. We try to do things so they can volunteer as well. You know, when we volunteer at our church, they're with us and they're they're you know, doing things when we're volunteering at, you know, feed my starving children or whatever, they're packing the food, they're doing things. So I think that's really important to get them involved in a lot of that stuff, volunteering, giving, investing. Um, I'm having them pick stocks uh, right now. And, you know, they obviously they pick companies of things they, they love, but that's fine. Like they're, then we're looking at that real quick. And we, I don't get into the weeds of like everything and all the financials, but we talk a little bit about, you know, oh, if you want to pick Disney, okay, what's, but what's been going on with Disney that maybe the reason why we don't want to invest, or maybe this is, oh, this is a great investment. Look at what's been happening here. So that's great. What, what age are your kids right now? I've got an 11 uh, and seven year old. Okay. Yeah. Right at that age of being able to, you know, start comprehending yeah. things and questions like that, you know, yeah. so get them involved earlier. Like I said earlier, there's, there's no, like, there's no time. I, I think you need to start now. Like you sure. have to start now as early as you can. And I think that's only beneficial. You know, obviously this, my, my seven-year-old, when we first started, I think he was like four, he didn't understand a lot of the stuff. So it's really like really basic stuff, but even the stuff that he can't comprehend, eventually he's going to be able to comprehend it. And that's good. Right. And For he's sure. already got a head up on everybody else. So I like it. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll jump back into the final five and uh, we'll get started on those. How's that work? We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast with Todd Dexheimer, and we're going to jump right into the final five. We had an awesome conversation about uh, raising a family and a, a real estate portfolio. So, um, Todd, what's the most kind of creative value-add real estate deal that, that you've done up to this point? 
Yeah, I would say probably a 120 unit building um, that I purchased with a land uh, contract. Um, so we purchased it. I purchased it. Uh, gave the seller a down payment. I think it would end up being like a six percent or so down payment. And then what we did is we put uh, an escrow. We set up an escrow account held by my attorney. That was the renovation. Okay, so we had a total of about twenty percent between the down payment and between the renovation. That account was able to be tapped into by me as we completed the renovation. We basically set it up like a like a a bridge loan or a mm-hmm. you know bank construction yeah. draw loan. And so as we completed the construction, we got to take draws from it. And then it was set up to where if we didn't make a payment or something like that, um, that the seller that we bought it from, he could start pulling money from that, right? And so it was just set up as a safety net for him. And we were improving the property. So as we were improving the property, we were improving the value. That was the idea. Um, And it was just kind of a way for us to get in with a lot less money down. That's great. And do you still own that or did you sell that? I still own it today. I might not own it tomorrow. Oh, as long as it closes. Okay. Well, we'll have to do a follow up and and uh, hear how that goes. So, yeah. uh, well, that's that's good. So, um, where do you kind of see yourself uh, in five years, and kind of where do you see see the market at that point? You know, just something maybe specific about where the market stands. Something's happening, opportunities or such. So that kind of like three to five year looking out there. Man, well, first I'll start with where do I see myself? I just I see our company continuing to grow, continue to add value. Um, we're we're trying to do we're we're trying to take a and make a, put a lot of value back into the market. So the the main goal of everything I do is to try to add a lot of value to the people that I'm affecting. So the my residents and my uh, staff, uh, we're trying to add a lot of value, and also my investors. You know, trying to make sure we provide them with excellent returns and and good communication and and a safe, sound investment. So, uh, I see, just see us as as growing and continuing to build a solid foundation. I think that's the most important. Do I have unit goals? Absolutely, but the most important part is that we're building a solid foundation uh, for our company, and not just buying deals just to buy deals. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would like to continue by multifamily. We're also building um, and, and growing into the um, senior community as well. So I'd like to continue to expand that. And then I've got my, uh, my, my coaching uh, program. I'd like to continue to expand that. Where's the market going to be? That's a real tough question. I can see it going several different ways. I can see uh, there being a push for people to continue to buy single family houses, which will then put a little pressure on multifamily in a negative way uh, because you'll have higher vacancy rates if people are wanting to buy single family houses and move out of that because we've got this big millennial generation that is at that age where they're ready to buy their first house. They've delayed that quite a bit. I could see that happening. However, we've got massive inflation potential. I don't want to say it's going to happen because I don't know, but we've got inflation potential. We've got what six trillion dollars has been put in the market. It looks like it's maybe crazy. two trillion more. Uh, that's crazy, right? We don't. I don't think anybody's smart enough to even know what that actually means. Like, what is that actually going to do? Are we going to see massive inflation? And if we see massive inflation, where are we going to see it? Is it going to be in wages and you know material goods, or is it going to be an asset bubble? Again? 
you know, not, mm-hmm. maybe not even a bubble, but we're just going to see major, major, major asset increase. Um, people are looking for yield. So to answer your question, I have no flipping clue where it's going to go. But I, what I do know is that if we buy with the same fundamentals we've always been buying on, that we're going to do just fine. I like it. And you already answered the question, kind of how do you give back to the real estate community that's given you know so much to you to get to this amazing portfolio and be able to raise a great family. But um, it, it sounds like you... Uh, with the coaching and the other things, that's kind of your, your give back. So, and just, it sounds like the tenants and your staff that that's a main priority. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I really want to try to accomplish is help, um, help grow financial literacy. I've just seen it throughout with my residents, uh, the lack of financial literacy. And honestly, it's just, they're they're not being given any they're almost given no chance. You know, one of my very first residents was a section eight tenant and she asked me if I would, if I, if it would be okay, if she got off section eight, would I still be able to be her, her tenant? And I said, absolutely. Of course. And she said, good, because you know, my grandma had section eight, my mom had section eight and I'm on it, but I'm not going to be on it. I'm going to get off of this section. Eight. I'm like, that is, that's awesome. That's amazing. And then I watched what happened and at, I don't know what's going on with her now because she's not my resident anymore, but for many years she was, and she never was able to get off section eight because every time she tried something got in the way, she didn't know how to keep her money. She would spend it. You know, it was just this cycle, this circle that she was just stuck in it. And so I want to help other people get to that point where they can actually get out of that, that prison. (laughs) And I think that ties into, Kind of our topic of the podcast today is is investing with family, growing a portfolio with a growing family. And, and here you just highlighted that she did the opposite with their family for generations that they yeah. were they were not growing a portfolio while growing a family. And that just kind of compounded. So the, the power of that both in a positive way and a negative way as well. So yeah. yeah. And you hope that she was able to figure it out. And now she's been able to teach her kids uh, and, and everything is going to change within that family dynamic, but the odds are stacked against them, honestly. For sure. And I, I want to help try to change that. So the odds can at least l- l- let's have a chance. Okay. Let's have a better chance. I like it. Well, what's the best way we'll throw it in the show notes. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to maybe ask questions or um, you know, maybe, maybe invest reach yep. out to you some sort. So what, and we'll throw that in the notes, any uh, preferred method. Yeah. So, so anybody can reach out to me, social media, you know, it's Todd Dexheimer. I'm sure there's not, there's not two of me. Um, so you can reach out to me on social media. I'm mostly on Facebook and LinkedIn. Otherwise uh, my website, venturedproperties.com. I've got a free kind of ebook that anybody can look at, listen to, or look at and read. Um, and uh, definitely happy to have a conversation with investing or, or anything else, uh, coaching or anything. I've got a coach with Dex uh, is my website, coachwithdex.com or Venture D Properties. They can find anything at venturedproperties.com. That, that's kind of a catch-all. Um, okay. And like I said, there's that free ebook there too. Excellent. We uh, really appreciate you diving in providing some true value add. And we look forward to having you on in, in a year or two and seeing uh, how the deal, if it got wrapped up, but also seeing 
how the, how the kids have got more involved in the real estate game and maybe even get some more tips to share at that point as well. So excellent. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Excellent. All right. Well, listeners, as always, until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.